Welcome again to the Shadoof Podcast. We're excited to have you aboard. We are your hosts, Dustin Harding. And Weston Smith. And yeah, we got a we got some special treats uh, or treats for you, multiple treats for you today. Multiple treats. What's your favorite treat, Dustin? My favorite treat. Okay, mm, I don't know if this qualifies as a treat, but a pumpkin pie. Hmm. I really like pumpkin yep. pie. My my, my birthdays in like two days or so, mm-hmm. and uh, and what do I want my birthday cake to be? I just want it to be a pumpkin pie. Birthday not cake. Yes, yes, from Costco. They cheap pumpkin pie. You can have all autumn, right? Pumpkin pies all autumn, the entire season, <laughs> through to the winter. <laughs> Listen, you guys. Oh, my wife and I have had this argument for years. We, ha- I love. Pump- we both love pumpkin pie. But it was this one time. One time we had this. Um, I wanted to get like a pumpkin pie flavored smoothie. And, oh, I love those. Oh, right, and. My wife was like, uh, they don't have them because it's December. And I was like, why wouldn't they have them in December? December is a fine time for a pumpkin-flavored treat of yeah, some sort, yeah, right? Yeah. So we, that kind of sparked this argument. And I was like, I was, to me, to me, pumpkin, yes, it's, a, it's an autumn. Like, it starts in autumn. That's when, that's when you harvest a pumpkin. And right, traditionally, right. people harvest in autumn. But then pumpkin is a good fruit to last you through the winter because it was storable. You'd harvest it in the autumn, but then you could enjoy it later throughout, you know, throughout the winter. Yeah. Right? And, and people think it's weird to think of pumpkin pie around Christmas time. Oh, I love pumpkin pie. It's, for it's traditional. It's a yeah, traditional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's like three Christmas songs that talk about pumpkin pie. <laughs> That's not evidence enough, I guess. <laughs> I will cut that out. <laughs> Well, speaking of pumpkin and seasons, let's talk a little bit about the climate. Not really specifically about the climate, but let's talk about climate messaging. Okay. So, so climate change, I mean, there's debates back and forth, you know. This climate and climate change and, you know, global warming is a very political topic. We're yes. going to try to avoid that political topic. Yeah, that's not really our game here. No, our game, what we like to focus on is behavior and helping people feel motivated. A lot of the research that we that we do is covers like motivation, right? Right. And climate change is so interesting because how do you get people to take care of the earth is really what it's about, right? Right. Um, and that's that's what it should be about. Like, hey, I want to take care of everything around me and make sure that, that it looks good, it's healthy, and great. Right. right. We have a comfortable place to live. So I guess, like, I mean, it's it's kind of like a, a tricky debate, and there's multiple sides to it, right? Yes. And we're not getting into the science of climate change, right? There's that debate. Uh, but we're not environmental scientists in the first no, place. No, right? it's not our place, right? <laughs> uh, but there are discussions and debates about climate messaging. So how we go about messaging and trying to promote climate change prevention, you know, right. H- how do we promote effectively so that people, you know, take care of the environment around them? In fact, earlier this month, there was a, a paper published in the Humanities and Social Sciences of Communications. Okay. They talk about this debate um, because a big thing that people have against climate change messaging is that it's so doomsday and mm. so negative 
And, and so this paper, they research out optimistic versus pessimistic messaging on climate change. Okay. And actually what they find is that the pessimistic doomsday type of messaging, it triggers more emotions and mm. therefore is more able to get people to act. So on a wider scale, it definitely gets more people willing to, to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely is a hard you know, strong word, but but their research kind of that's what they find in their research, right? Mm-hmm. And they only really focus on on global climate change. Of course, that's mostly what we focus on when we talk about climate change. But but yeah, that's kind of what what they saw. Um, which it's interesting that this popped up because we have been doing research on this at the Shadoof Institute. Not this specific question on optimistic versus pessimistic messaging. Okay. Uh, but what we've been looking at is, is uh, it actually started out, I was helping one of the MBA groups here at the Woodbury School of Business, and they were helping a company that was trying to develop an app that helped people engage in making the earth better, right? Right. So we did these surveys, we did some research, and one thing that we found, one thing that we studied at least, is the difference between how impactful climate change prevention is, like that type of messaging, versus local environment conservation. Okay. So the paper we just talked about is focused on pessimistic versus optimistic. This research that we've been working on is, okay, what happens if we take the problem, global climate change, and we reduce it to local environment conservation? So this is just helping conserve your local environment. Okay referring to it as a different term. Yeah, not only as a different term, but changing the kind of the focus, right? We're right. no longer focused globally, we're focused locally. Okay, yeah. Right? Exactly. Uh, well, and I think already you're getting kind of a change in in tone. So so you have like climate change, which apparently is something that's like happening and we have to do something about it because look at all of these the disasters, these, these disasters, the, and and, yep. and terrible things that are happening because of it. Whereas local, remind me how you said it again. Environment conservation. Local environment conservation is something to say, like, hey, there's beauty around us. We all enjoy, you know, the outdoors, the freshness of our environment, wherever we are. Let's um, preserve that. Yeah, and I'm not totally sold on this local environment conservation, you know, I think simplifying that phrasing, that messaging would be good. The main thing is, though, as we've already talked about, we're doing global versus local. And then, Weston, as you mentioned, um, this is stopping a problem versus um, conserving good, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Continuing the good and the beauty. Protecting, kind of guarding and and, uh, being responsible for something around you. Yeah. And I think that we're just kind of at the beginning of this research. And so teasing this out a little bit, it's going to be a lot of fun. But There's uh, more to come. There's more to come. So uh, we created the survey. Individuals went into the survey and we randomized whether they were asked about their intentions toward local environment conservation or climate change prevention. Okay. So, so about half of them, they, they saw climate change prevention. Right. Within the description of the question. Mm-hmm. And then and then the other half, they were asked how they felt about local environment conservation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but this is overall what we find is that by focusing on this this local and, and promoting good, mm-hmm. right, it increased how in control 
people felt in their ability to do good. Right. Right. Um, stopping a global problem, we just kind of feel like it's out of our control. Right. Right. That's true. Uh, but by taking it locally and focusing on keeping the good going, um, people felt like they were more in control of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like, I think most people agree that that we do have a responsibility to keep things clean and to help maintain the environment, not only to enjoy a, a better life, but also to keep things good and clean for future generations. Mm. But like you said, depending on how people, depending on people's personalities or how they perceive a problem, you have the message of, of climate change. Maybe they don't pay too much attention to it because they feel like it's out of my control. What can I do? You know, and that can right. be overwhelming and maybe a little demotivating. So maybe having kind of a change of perspective will help say, oh, look at this. I can, I can actually do something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly kind of what we see happens in this research. These people that were focused on the local level, they felt more in control. And yeah. therefore, they were willing to uh, commit to doing more good to help promote this than those that we had focus on climate change prevention. And I so, gotcha. So... And so, so after we measured how in control they felt in their ability to make a difference, right, we then asked them how many hours they were willing to commit that week in order to help prevent climate change if they were in the climate change group or in order to help preserve their, their local environment. Wow. Um, and so what we found is that when we focus on that local environment, it increased the number of hours they were willing to spend by 20%. Um, and so, wow. yeah, which is... That's that that is significant, twenty percent. Yeah, it's uh, it's statistically significant, in in, in fact, with the p value <laughs> less than point zero five. The nerd. There you go. You heard it was. here first, folks. <laughs> but uh, and the cool thing with the, these analyses is you can see whether or not the perceived control they had in their ability to do something. You can actually test if that is what was driving their willingness to commit more hours, and it is. It was. So, yeah. So so we find so then it, it kind of links everything together. Focusing on local gave them more perceived control, which then led them to commit more hours um, per week. Okay. So if people are passionate about, you know, even if even if their mindset is climate change prevention, if people are, are passionate about getting everyone involved, maybe trying this strategy might help empower people to feel like, hey, there's all these things going on, but instead of me just screaming them at you, maybe we can help kind of see different things that we can do around us. Yeah. So this goes for government agencies and mm -hmm. and, and and other groups. Activists. Uh, activists. If 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 you if you really want to help take care of the earth, um, so far our research is showing that by helping people focus on a local level instead mm -hmm. of a global level, um, you'll have uh, an easier time getting people to act. Mm -hmm. Just so, stop trying to make people swallow a pill they don't want to swallow if it's not working. And and I, th I think it's not only is it like, yeah, there's some people that don't want to swallow the, the climate uh, change pill, right? Mm -hmm. But but this research is also showing that there's some people that feel like they can't swallow the True. climate change. Because exactly. I can't do anything about that. Right. right. It's it's the climate. It's the global climate. Who am I to make a difference in that? Right. Right. And so, so they may seem kind of apathetic yeah. towards it, help, like I said, empower people, like giving them a fresh mindset, they might be able to think, oh, I can do some stuff. Yeah. So my residential area, it's kind of a private community by the lake. And, and it's actually really cool to see some of the same stuff we're talking about 
even if people aren't like these environmental-minded activists, uh, they, they still care about taking care of the lake, you know, making sure things are healthy, especially if our children are going to be playing around, you know. So just within our community, I've seen some great outreach, like people saying, hey, does anyone want to come help me do this to clean things up, to help keep things uh, fresh looking and nice and, and, yeah. and green and, and whatever, you know, whatever the activity is. Practically everyone in my community wants to get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great observation that helps build credibility toward these findings that we right. have so far. What we're interested in doing, too, is not only extending this research a bit more, but but also seeing if it applies in other areas. So companies, for instance, companies will often set these company-wide goals. So it'd be interesting to see how those goals compare in motivating their, their employees in contrast to breaking those company goals down into local um, like team goals right. instead. Yeah. Just seeing how that impacts employees' perceived control and then therefore their intentions to actually do something and their motivation to do something. Okay, so yes, this has strong business application that can it can get better performances out of out of people who are doing their jobs within a corporate environment or or, or any organization. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, this makes me think of, in my experience, as you know, I've always been in kind of like a, a creative environment. In many of my corporate jobs, I've worked in, on like a creative teams, Yeah. you know, producing video content or, or graphic design or whatever. It's kind of funny because we, you know, we have our executives who talk about sales and, and numbers and uh, KPIs, you know. It's tough for like, I've had discussions with several of my creative team members where we're like, well, we don't know exactly what indicators we have to come up with because even though our jobs affect sales, since we don't have numbers or anything, then we can't really set those KPIs the same way mm -hmm. and we can't get as motivated. So I think I think kind of changing these things to the different, to on local levels within departments would have definitely helped give us a perspective of kind of like our our local challenges. Yeah, yeah. So not only do companies, you know, potentially, we're still going to research this out, but not only do they have these, like, global company goals, you know, not necessarily global, but just company-wide goals. Depending on the size yeah. of the company. But, yeah, there could, it could be global companies. But not only would this be about um, taking those goals and reducing them to, to local, like, team goals, but one issue that companies also have is that people just don't know as you said, how they play into the company-wide goals. And so by reducing that to team goals that they can actually identify with and also feel like they have control over, that should make this effect even more powerful. Yeah, I would kind of say like empowerment isn't always a one-size-fits-all when you're talking about an entire community of a team or a company or, or whatever. Some people are motivated by different things, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it would just be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm excited to see where this research goes. I hope that all of you listening, that you're excited to see where this research goes. And so if you just make sure to follow our podcast, follow our social media pages on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, we'll be sure to give you frequent updates on how this research is going and our other research projects. We've got so much going on here, and it's Yeah, it's this, really like exciting. our other research, has... A lot of potential to go some interesting places. I mean, we've discussed environmental involvement with a possible application to to business and company environment, but 
who knows who knows where this could lead to this could lead to some other area that we haven't even thought of right now yeah it's exciting just to follow the breadcrumbs of data you know <laughs> it's awesome uh, i like that okay well thank you all for joining before we cut off we of course want to thank our sponsor the woodbury school of business and until next time uh, we'll thank uh, you all adios keep it real adieu Oi, mate, how's the door, guys?